Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! <sighs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. 
you're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the show where I speak to artists and bands about how they've survived, what they've been up to, how they've been able to do it in a day-to-day sense. Scott Levine has an excellent new album. Milk City Sweethearts is absolutely incredible. If you haven't heard it, you need to go and listen to it immediately. This track beneath this is the first time. Worms, The Toffee Tickler, two other amazing tracks from the record. He's just a genuinely intriguing person. And you see that, you hear that on the record. Thanks, Scott, for coming on. Thanks also to East London Signature Brew, who have been brewing beers with bands since 2011. Bands like Mastodon, Idols, who get a mention here, and Hot Chip. But if you want to buy one of their flagship beers, you can get some delivered directly to your door. Just go to signaturebrew.co.uk and when you make an order, you can use the voucher code 101podcast to get 10% off. All right, Scott Levine, Milk City Sweethearts. That's the album you're going to go listen to. Here he is. Cheers for listening. She had a boyfriend who chased me up the street and I was scared. Yeah, I mean, I've done, yeah, I've done quite a few quite a lot of gigs over the years I suppose played in Scotland but not as many as I'd like I always feel like I'm you know people are like you've got to pay your dues it's like I mean how long you got to pay your dues for but then it's hard to find those gigs if you don't know where to look sometimes right unless you're plugged into you're part of like a scene or or something happens like that yeah Um, which you've got like no one's got any control over no that's the thing isn't it where did you grow up in Essex there's quite a lot of punk rock bands there in the early noughties weren't there in Chelmsford, filaments. I wasn't there then. Um, I used to get the pink toothbrush in Rayleigh. <laughs> that sounds made up. <laughs> no, it's like a legendary venue. They used to have a lot of like, um, like Mega City Four and um, yeah, um, like Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine, and people like that. Wow. Um, yeah, no, too fat. Uh, uh, yeah, I moved around quite a lot. To be honest, um, I went. I was. I was in France and. Uh, I was in Canterbury for like five years and then back in London and Cambridge. Would it be fair to say that like your relationship with music has, has been complicated? Oh, my own. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. I mean, re- reflecting on, on doing stuff now you're active, you know, you're playing shows. Mm. Um, does, does it, does it feel quite steady at the moment? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I mean, it's the best it's ever been, I guess, and it is constantly growing. Like I, I can't, I can't wish for more than that. I do fucking wish for more than that. Sorry, am I allowed to swear? Of course you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do wish for more than that, but I like what you said before. Like, can't control any of that stuff either. The only thing I can control is like making the music, um, obviously. But uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, I always think, why am I still doing this? But um, I'm doing it because it keeps growing. Like uh, and that's why. Like not, I, I'm not like a, a major success <laughs> yet. Some of my favorite bands haven't been quote unquote successes or or, mm. or or whatever. And and it's so it never falters me to think how how these perceptions are just 
exactly that perceptions yeah well james um there's a journalist called james mcmahon i know him yeah he sent me some lovely messages brilliant just saying i love your stuff um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna die until i've made, i've helped you be successful and bless him like it's just really nice he was like but unfortunately his next message was but unfortunately i think you're never going to be because <laughs> you're too good or something like that i was like oh that's really nice he was just like you're just destined to be cult and i'm like i'm all right with that i'm fine with that if that is the case because cult as you say like i love loads of cult stuff but I mean, you know, he compared me to uh, Captain Beefheart, but it's like even Captain Beefheart was pretty fucking successful. Brilliant. I mean, does that give you, does that fuck with you in the way that it might, it makes you think too far in the future? I mean, it's all just a bit of a, it's all just a bit of a ride, isn't it, really? You just, uh, I don't know, like this last album, I didn't have a label. I just wrote it and was like, see what happens with it or just throw it out on the internet or do one of those crowdfunder things and yeah i feel like it's ended up being the best thing i've done I'd, yeah i certainly don't think about my fucking legacy <laughs> whether, or whether i'm gonna be a cult artist or not like i don't think I, ca- I can't think about next week without it spinning me around but at, at the same time there i suppose there is that you know we, we're talking about it for a reason right because we, we isn't it isn't it strange that i guess we talk about bands and records about like their success is always that barometer is always there isn't it yeah yeah and i and i think like i'd be lying if i didn't like if i didn't say i want that like but um i think my stuff's just a bit too odd for it to ever to ever happen so i don't i don't really believe it like you know i mean there's plenty of odd music out there um but i would rather be me that's for sure than like mm. um snow patrol so the, like the whole thing about the podcast is is that when my band was touring quite a lot and um when you mentioned mega city four my, my eyes light up because my good mate lloyd chambers used to be their tour manager oh, fucking really? seven, seven foot tall man and he was kind of one of the supporters of of me and my band when we were starting 10 years ago and we just toured a lot but between tours i was like what i kept on getting shit jobs that would last three months at a time and i was utterly you know i was just like what the fuck the whole time and it took me a few years to kind of think about that this this music has to exist because that's what we love (laughs) that's what a lot of us love more than anything in the world that we prioritize going to shows or buying records when we don't have money or you know going to shows when we don't have the time yeah and sometimes it's the only thing you've got for real (laughs) and and that's such a fucking paradox to going to work and pretending to your boss like you're interested or Mm. trying to live this double life or maybe triple life depending on what you got going on yeah i mean it's good to experience like not doing it to to then appreciate how much you need to do it i think like i didn't play a note for about six years 2008 to 2014 and i don't want to ask you some stupid question like why or how (laughs) but i mean when that leading up to that time when when you stopped was it presumably you 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 weren't in a in a good place you weren't you weren't yourself yeah and i was just coming at it from a really like unhealthy perspective really i was like 
yeah, I mean, I wasn't well for, for starters, but I was also in terms of the music, I was just like, I'm going to get signed. I need to get signed. And it was mm-hmm. so important to get signed. And then, um, like Parlophone showed an interest in me. Um, and then I couldn't really cope with it. <laughs> couldn't cope with it. And I didn't, yeah, I don't know. I just couldn't, I don't know. I just thought I can't do this anymore. And, um, I thought I just need to change. Like I'd, my dad was a musician. Yeah. Um, and then on my mum's side, my granddad was a musician. My granddad was a pretty successful, like a very successful musician. And my dad was a failure in terms of, well, not a failure, but he had no financial or commercial success mm. at all. And I was like, well, there's, there's nothing in between that. That's kind of what I thought. <laughs> That's what I thought. Right. Um, so I was like, I, I, if I'm not going to be a success, I'm just not going to do it because I don't want to fail. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, I've kind of realized it was it was actually joining that folk band. I was like, oh, you can just kind of do this yourself and just like make a bit of money here and there. And and um, I don't know. I just I did it. I did it. I got, got back into it for different reasons. I like, got back into it to like help other people make music, like people with mental health problems and was like, yeah i realized like my god i'm just i'm a terrible chef i'm a terrible plasterer i'm a really bad gardener i'm not fit to do anything other than like (laughs) write songs and sing them so it's like okay i kind of had like a uh, yeah like just do listen i was listening to a lot of alan watts (laughs) the like spiritual guru (laughs) who's like find something you're good at and do it (laughs) <laughs> I was like, oh, I already know what I'm good at. Like, loads of people don't know what they're good at, do they? Or they're not good at anything that excites them. So mm. I was like, right, I'm just going to do it with no expectations. And then I got loads of expectations. Did playing for that band that you know you weren't writing for was was that like a casual thing? Was it was it something that you really threw yourself into? No, it was casual. I was just cheap. I was cheap labour, but it was. Um, um it was it was refreshing because i'd never been in a band where i wasn't the singer because i'd always you know um mm. and i lo- i just loved it and uh and i just saw that this guy like made a living at it he'd, he'd worked bloody hard and um i was like yeah that's pr- that's pretty appealing uh and was he making money on those sort of 100 150 quid fees and then sort of selling cd's enough or t-shirts how how did that work i think it's a it's a different world like because it's sort of folk music they tend to have an older crowd who have got more money and he was mm. he'd been he was commanded more than 150 quid that's for sure right and it what well, there weren't great venues he was just pretty yeah he and he basically ended up with like you know he, he basically has to uh, or had to release an album every year and he had to tour every two or three months um and then that's that's how he made his living and he made he, he made a pretty well i think i don't know if he's still i don't think he's still at it he he uh i think he's got a, 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 a qualification in counseling now <laughs> so yeah. can't have been going that well i think i think uh lockdown buggered him up working with people with disabilities how did you get into that i was one of them um, so I started, I started, uh, yeah, I bet, well, I, st- I started off doing, um, art for, um, people like people with autism, um, like music workshops and art 
art workshops with a, with a friend of mine, um, like sort of young adults with with autism, and then that moved into um, just running workshops for a charity, like an arts charity that looked after people with mental health problems. But I was attending. It was yeah, I was attending them first, and then I started working um, there. And what year was that? 2014. Those years in between, when you look back on them, like, you know, what, what were you up to? Was it, was it, was it just trying to find something that you felt good doing that, that, that worked? Yeah. I was just living on a boat in the middle of, in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> moving around, <laughs> just trying to find some joy in this, in this life. And, um, yeah, I was just, yeah. I mean, putting pen to paper barely like hardly yeah literally just like I can't I can't really remember much about those years if I'm honest <laughs> like there's um yeah it's just you know like a, 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 like not a good time in one respect but the best time because I wouldn't be you know I wouldn't have this like zest for life without that because you know, without getting too deep, like I think once once you've wanted to die as much as I wanted to, like living is pretty bloody great after that. When you when you find like a way to deal with your issues or whatever, it's um, that's so good to hear. Yeah, because you know it's tough. You know, it's not it's it's um, all of that stuff. You know, I've got mates that are still in it and you know, living in halfway houses and stuff and like, I don't know, I'm just lucky. I think I'm, I'm lucky. And also I just, you know, I, what I really wanted to live, um, that you, you need that. And I also wanted to be, you know, I, uh, I had family members who were like, you know, okay, I can be like, I don't want to be like that either. So it's like, I'm gonna, so I've kind of become prolific rather than, hiding from the world and hiding from mm. like talent or get like gifts you have because you're afraid of failure just being like I'm doing this um and I'm doing it every day and um and that's it like just blind blind faith and just treat it like a job which I never did before like before when I nearly got signed by Parlophone I was just cocky I was just like yeah it's all right I could just write these songs and look cool on stage and I'll get signed. It's like, nah, no, no. Taking it seriously is, is such a, it's like a trick. I feel like I'm 30 and it's only really started to dawn on me that you should take the things that you love seriously and calling it art. Fuck it. It is. Yeah. I mean, you know, I come from like working class people where you're not, really allowed to do this <laughs> it's like you do that until you're you know it's what you do when you're a teenager and you get a proper job and it wasn't until I started working with other people who were like you know you're an artist you're a, you're a writer you're a musician you can do this for as long as you want it's like I, I just don't know never had the self-assurance and the self-confidence to to be that really and now now I do like simple as that and I also have like I don't know and I, I when I started doing it again my um 
who said, oh, my sister's husband, he's, a, he's an artist, and he, he sent me this video about, like, um, people that are, like, that write, or that, well, any kind of artist, like, people generally have, like, good taste if, you're, if you, you create stuff. And when you, I might be telling you stuff you already know before, but it was just really, really powerful for me that when you start, when you start off, like, you know, for instance, like Bob Dylan wrote these incredible songs, like straight off the fucking bat when he was like 19 years old, for God's sake. Like, so I'm like 19 years old. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And my songs were terrible, like absolutely terrible. <laughs> and so basically like most people, they're like, they start off and they write, they, they do the whatever they're doing and they're terrible. And then like you keep going and keep going and you have to just keep going until you're like <laughs> get to this certain level and I just and I don't know something happened to me where I was like all of a sudden I was just better and I don't know if that was like clarity or just somewhere down the line my brain had caught up with itself or it was like all the experiences I'd had was like okay but I don't know what it is but that's when I really started taking it seriously when I was just like okay this because if you know because I still write terrible songs now I just don't let it get me down because I know because <laughs> I know for every t- ten or eleven track album I've written thirty. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. that, you know, whereas before I'd be like, "Oh, that'll do," you know, or, or "That's terrible. I shouldn't be doing this." And it's like, and it's just giving it too much power. It's just like, just get on with it. Don't you know? Write it if it's if it's crap. Just keep it might maybe use one line or something and just mm. treat it like a job like i don't know i've i've i value that like really do you remember the first full song that you thought that's a good song or was it someone else that to- you know was it someone that close to you that told it what was the song and what was the realization uh yeah it was a song and um it's a song called my breath killed the roses which which was the first song of mine that got on like national radio um yeah, it got on ab- absolute radio, like that classic rock um, station. <laughs> it was bizarre. Like, I don't know how. Um, yeah, I remember just thinking, oh, there's some in here because it was like honest and it was sort of semi-autobiographical and it was like a bit funny but had some hope to it. I was like, oh, this is good. And people would like um, – uh, yeah, I, I, I was – I hadn't done gigs, but I did open mics and where everyone's chatting and people would like stop, <laughs> stop talking and listen. I was like, oh, this is, this is good. Yeah. And then it ended up like single of the week on Absolute Radio, like yeah, sandwiched between like R.E.M. and Aretha Franklin was my weird little song about not washing your underpants. Literally thought I'd made it after that. I was like, this is it. This is the big time. But um, that was when I was, I called myself Big Top Heartbreak. And nothing like the next single come out, uh, and I was like, "Well, yeah, w- which radio station is going to play this?" And like, literally, didn't get any radio play for two years. Um, so that was a good lesson in like <laughs> hubris. In, yeah, hubris, exactly. Yeah. I wonder if so many young artists are going through that now. I mean, I, I, then again, you read about John Peel and the way he used to do stuff because he he would play stuff from our from in, individual little scenes from Essex or Watford or wherever you're from um yeah and chatting to some of our friends uncles and that who have been in those bands it was like yeah john peel played us and that was sick and then that was it and then we just kept on doing us 
<laughs> it's interesting because I feel like if that happened to me, I'd be like, I'd expect, I might expect something, you know, like, like, like maybe you did. Yeah, um, I do. And I still do. Like, I mean, it's like the greatest thing in the, like, cause Steve Lamax played a few, a few of my songs and it's like a complete dream come true. Cause you know, I'm like massive fan of six music and, and uh, like, you know, his voice, like he's sort of our generation's John Peel, I guess, and he's like totally the stories uh, of the Manics and Coldplay and all of that—they're just stories, aren't they? Yeah, and I'm like, it's like Steve Lamac knows who the knows who I am. <laughs> like, it's the greatest thing in the world. But then it's like, oh, you know, he's not like I hear him talk about the when, when he played um, the, the first thing he played was uh, "It's All Gonna Blow," right? Which was uh, a couple of seven-inch singles that come out and um i was like oh you know hopefully he's going to champion that he was like massively into idols at the time and like mm. so he'd, he'd play he'd play me and be like you know that was scott levine with uh it's all gonna blow yeah i mean it's a really interesting song yeah i quite like that and they'd be like now yeah, this one's idols they really are the greatest band that this country's seen for years and years i'm like steve <laughs> like can you not say that about me don't just say you quite like it like it's uh, hard isn't it because you because you, you want to feel like the fucking dog's bollocks because you are yeah. you know like really you know not to get funky on it but we all are yeah we all are like you are you are and your mates are and and like that's <laughs> that's what makes it special yeah of course we all are and you cut there's not room for everybody like and you know he loves idols that's that it's fine <laughs> that's absolutely fine <laughs> yeah smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! <sniffs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. How how long does it take you to write? Are, are you like a big thinker or are you an overthinker, underthinker? No, it, I get I generally get it done pretty quick. You know, I know when it's right. Um, like you know, when people just have their prolific kind of periods in their lives when they're just like, and it seems to be like a high level of quality as well. Like I'm writing less shit songs, um, right? And they. And they happen quickly. Does that mean, are you kind of in a rush to, to fucking pick them out and make sure you get them down? Is yeah. there a level of like pressure that you put on yourself that you're like, yeah. shit now? No, I need to. Yeah. I think it helps. Doesn't it? Do you do that? I, I haven't written for ages, but if I, if I've got an idea when I got to 101 episodes, I, I did like a book, oh, you know, cool. just self-published little book thing. So I put pressure on myself for that, you know, uh-huh it'll be after work i'll be like fuck miss the post office again you know yeah. it'll come to 5 30 i'm like fuck it shit it closed at 4 30 and i've got the time you know so those pressures that i do put on myself yeah i think it's good i mean some maybe some people don't think that i don't know but i do i, I know that um well i'm rec- i'm recording another album uh at nice. some point over the winter and Great. um all the songs are done for it well so yeah i mean 
yeah, I worked on them over, over the summer. I sort of, yeah, I, I wrote about 25 songs over the, over the summer and narrowed it down to 10 that I really like. Ace. Um, but, but I wouldn't have done, you know, I wouldn't have done that if I wasn't going to be recording an album. And even now I'm sort of obsessed by it because we're, ch- we're changing, well, I want to kind of change the direction of it. And uh, so I've got to write a load of, yeah, weirder stuff. What sort of direction? What are you thinking? Well, um, have you listened to the out to Milk City Sweethearts, the album? Yeah, yeah. So there's a song on there called Toffee Tickler. Yeah. Um, which is sort of like a prose poem. Um, and it's sort of my favourite on there. And anyway, I was talking to the guy that's going to produce it. He's like a mate of mine. And talking about like albums that we love that have got like spoken word. And then, you know, that... Um, that Doors album that they made after Jim Morrison died, uh, American Prayer. Do you know what? I don't. Oh, it's bloody good. It's like basically, it's like eight years after Jim Morrison died, they made this kind of like quite funky, <laughs> right. like music, and and they put his poetry that he'd recorded um, over it. And um, so ba- basically, because you know, I've some of my album tracks are like just stories set to music, and like broke my most like. Like you know, my biggest streaming song is literally just a story and two chords. Mm. Um, we're gonna do some experimenting and just make some wacky music, and then I'm just gonna do some ranting over it. I mean, it could turn out completely shite, like because I'm not Jim Morrison. Like I'm not gonna be like a beat poet. I'm gonna probably just write some weird stories and um, see what happens. I wonder, and again, sort of, I don't want to sort of play too much into like what's going on anywhere else, but I, I feel like, okay, get you like Fontaine's DC. They're, I think a big thing about them is they're, is that Green is like a poet. Yeah. Right. You know, and I, and I think there is a, um, there is a, a space for it. I think people's minds are open to, to trying that out. Self-esteem. She, her track, I do this all the time, spoken word over is that an artist self-esteem yeah yeah oh, she's great okay. give it give that a go i don't even know what you'd call the sort of backing track yeah not a sort of r&b or something like that but you know, it's it's brilliant it's it's like it's the storytelling it's the it's the monologue over music that feels good so i love listening to stuff like that i mean like I, um arab strap yeah yeah stuff like that i don't know there's there's a few of them like patty smith did a did a spoken yeah. word album with uh what's his name from my bloody valentine she's done a couple yeah brilliant um i don't know and the track i always, like the tom waits track like the christmas car from a hooker in minneapolis it's like i just love all that i just love all that stuff and i don't know could, I'm, I'm kind of like being a bit sore about it because the singles that have come out before the album are like I feel like are the most accessible and poppy and no one's kind of given a crap about them. So I'm like, fuck this. I'm just going to make a really odd album that I want to make. Um, because no, no one cares. <laughs> so like, and that's all right. I'm not, I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I'm just like, I'm just going to make exactly what I want. And, uh, I can play my kids, um, the albums when they grow up and be like, look, look at this weird shit that daddy made. Now, Is now, it- now I'm a wedding photographer is that one of your um your biggest propellers or, or or something that 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 gives you that that kind of energy you know showing your kids oh god no 
No, they'll be they'll be embarrassed. Like, it's fucking bizarre. My music. They're going to be like, "What the fuck is this?" I mean, nah. I, nah, I don't know. That's I, funny. I, I, they're too they're too young to uh, mind you. Yeah, my my little girl sings along to sings along to one of them. I mean, I mean, like it's quite. Um, and you said earlier being prolific, releasing this record. You know, you've just released it. Um, Milk City Sweethearts. The, the, the having the next one kind of pre- getting pretty ready to ready to go. Would you would you be quite up for releasing that as quickly as possible? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Probably like this. Hopefully, this time next year. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't want it because there was two. There's two years between the last album and this one, and like what whilst whilst I write prolifically, what's the point in doing that? I mean, there was lockdown, so. Mm. Um. But yeah. And also, just why not? I mean, as long as someone's willing to pay, <laughs> pay for it. If they and if no one pays for it, I'll just do it myself from my uh, very basic recording techniques. How how are you spending your time now? Are you are you back to work? Were you working through the pandemic? Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in some way, um, I was. Well, I was supposed to be. Uh, going on tour i wrote a one-man musical that um i've got like arts council funding for it and it and i i did a couple of like fairly well respected theaters and then got like some help booking a tour so i was supposed to do that but i ended i also run like creative writing workshops and they just went online yeah um, i did a bit of photography and a bit of like filming for this theater that i work for so yeah i just did bits and bobs yeah are you working with mental health charities and and those groups sort of it's more like arts charities not not necessarily mental health but like um people that maybe don't have the access to art and um also people that don't think they can write that's kind of what the the people i work for do and that has ended up I've been working for other um, other charities in different towns and doing like residencies because you know what I said is like me you know being raised by like a builder like my stepdad who's like you can't do that you could need a proper job um, like thinking you know that and people that have like come out of prison or people that think that they've got no education, they can't call themselves a writer because they can't spell or they can't, yeah. they don't know long words. And that my role is to be like, everyone's a storyteller. Like even if you just tell it with your mouth or you just write it in your own voice, like mm. um, that's not my idea, by the way, that's the people I work for. That's their, like, that's their thing. And just because I am one of those people, like yeah. I think that, that that works as a strength because people are like, oh, this bloke is like just a little Essex twat. <laughs> he writes this really good stuff and like people buy his music and it's like, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant thing to do because you can, there's a lot of talented people who have no, uh, no knowledge of that. <laughs> that must've felt like a, a relief and such a positive force not i'm trying not trying to not trying to put words in your mouth when you discovered that you'd be good at that i still i I mean yeah i still find it bizarre but i've been doing it like years now like five five years 
and people, you know, you know, regardless of myself, like it's just an honour to watch the people like come alive, literally come alive. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it because there's people. I'm not. I'm not. I don't educate anyone. <laughs> that's for sure. And um, I am not very. Uh, you know, I write well, but I don't know why, and I don't. You know, I didn't really know the difference between like prose and poetry, for God's sake. Like, I, I didn't even know that prose poetry was an actual genre of, the, you know, so I'm learning all the time about like what I'm not, I'm not educated in, in um, creative writing. My friend that runs the uh, theatre group around the corner, she's, she's like really, she's a really good writer, pretty successful writer. And um, I sent, she's like, oh, you've been writing much. So I just sent her a few of the things that I'd, that I'd written. She's like, these are, in, are incredible prose poems. I was like, what the bloody hell is that? She's like, well, this is what they are. And they're basically sort of like short stories, but kind of abstract and without like necessarily a beginning and an end. Um, mm. And yeah, sort of in between a short story and a poem. Ace. Yeah. And, th- and then she turned me on to like collections of prose poems and, um, um, yeah, there's some really good ones out there. You're like your self-manager in terms of figuring out the music music stuff on one hand and then on the other hand or multiple hands, like doing workshops, doing the creative writing classes. How how do you kind of see it from above? I just feel incredibly grateful, Giles, to be honest. Like, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of soppy crap I could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know it's like literally being uh having a second chance at life um because I lived in a very very different way before uh before the, this sort of period of my life and I was just like I don't know I, got, I don't I don't necessarily feel proud because I don't really I don't have much I have pretty low self-esteem but um I uh I don't know I guess I don't really do that look down from above but the fact that you know all those things you just said it's like yeah i must be doing something all right and i you know and i've got i'm gonna get a bit soppy but no i mean i love it well my dad my dad died right and he was a really really good writer and a really really good songwriter and a really good singer and he'd spent most of his life indoors (laughs) drinking special brew and it's like i almost feel just like well i'm just doing it for him really and like I, I I don't know I feel like I'm living through him in a way because it's like I used to hate it when he said oh you've got what I've got son you know you're you're talented like me I'd be like fuck you this is mine like <laughs> don't right. you say that to me like da 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 and he, but he's right I have got what he's got but you know he gave me the gift of like <laughs> ruining his life <laughs> so I was like right I ain't doing that um so yeah, I just feel lucky to be honest. I mean, I I certainly don't. I kind of crave like being a freelance graphic designer or something like that, or a, you know, or a window cleaner, because you just go to work and get some money, and that's that. It's sort of not a. Uh, it's a bit of a rocky path, and it being self-employed artist or whatever, but full time. Yeah, I'm pretty. I am pretty lucky. I mean, yeah. That's so great to hear and you know i want to you know it makes me think that this connection that we have just chatting about this and whether it's online or online or whether it's in the street or wherever 
it's like that that does make a difference you know makes different to my life um and it's clearly making you're making a difference to your life that's that's a that's a real positive force that yeah. is it's, it's big it's a big thing yeah well you get one go at it didn't you that's i think <laughs> yeah in this form anyway like i uh you know just do do the things you love and do them until just just keep doing them <laughs> do you feel it. life goes quite quickly oh man yeah recently yeah like where is this where has this year gone i don't really i don't know yeah it's flown by i was writing a book from um from june once i'd finished writing the album the milk city sweethearts like basically from august last year to june this year i was just writing a book um obsessively and then from june until now i've just been writing songs and it just goes you know i don't know i just it's it's the best thing the best thing in the world to just be able to uh, lose yourself is the book anything to do with the records with the music with the lyrics no it's sort of uh i i ended up getting some like help like some funding to have like a an editor who is um a brilliant author in her in her own right it's a lady called jane fever she's got a book out just came out a couple of months a few months back called crazy it's absolutely incredible it's so good um yeah and so basically i had this i had this you know i started writing a book and da 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 and then i got her and i was just like well i basically had her once a month for 12 months um for like an hour so i was like i want i'm so lucky to have this to have like feedback from someone that really knows what she's doing because she teaches um english mm. as well at, um universities and i'd never i haven't really had an education so i was like basically had a an education in prose writing and uh, yeah so i sort of got this book that i'm just going to leave for a couple of years it's just another thing that um will probably never be, be as successful as i'd like it to be nonsense i, I don't think it matters no nah, it doesn't i mean jesus I, I yeah i never uh i was so lazy in my previous life um, just the fact that I've written a 60,000 word novel wow. that, that is actually like, you know, I mean, I've rewritten it so many times as well. Like it's just a, uh, an achievement in itself, like just in terms of time, but yeah, I think it's pretty good as well. <laughs> well, I can't wait to get my hands on it. Get on a yeah. PDF. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll never do that. I'll never like, so, you know, I think my wife's, uh, uh, mum said that to me he's like oh you know if you can't find a publisher you could just do people self-publish these days I was just thought I'd rather oh, throw it in no, the bin no, I ain't doing yeah. that <laughs> I mean I think it's alright for like short things but like not novels like you know I've self-published my book you can get it on Amazon for like one ninety nine. like fuck you I'm not doing that I mean each each to their own I suppose but if, if like the publishing world don't deem it good enough to be published then it ain't <laughs> But I don't know, maybe it, maybe it, I don't know. Scott, thanks so much for, for being up for chatting about this. I, I feel like getting it all into 45 minutes, 50 minutes doesn't do it justice really. So maybe we'll have to come back to it after the next record. 
yeah i mean any time this has been a really nice really nice chat i uh yeah i don't know what i've said i probably sound like a right tip but that's all right well, i think <laughs> literally everyone in the world thinks that but i think there's something really special in amazing art for what it is no matter who hears it or what it is you know what i mean whatever it's classed as or any of that shit and and that that's that's a really special important thing in uh in the most in in music you know the most important thing in our lives so thanks so much for the the brilliant stories and 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 the songs and yeah oh bless you oh thanks for i mean thanks for having me and thanks for asking me it's been uh it's been really nice so there he is scott levine milk city sweethearts is the album you need to know go well here's cox barra I've been working all day, got me mate on the side Running around like a blue-ass fly I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day, got me mate Every bleak minute I've been on the go This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.